0: Welcome to the Edge Podcast, your home for recruiting news and team analysis inside the Oregon State Beavers football, basketball, and baseball programs. BeaversEdge.com is the authority on all things Oregon State Athletics. Now, here's your host, BeaversEdge.com editor, Mike Singer. Hey, what's up, Beaver Nation? This is Mike Singer, editor here at BeaversEdge.com, joined by my trusty sidekick, Brendan Slaughter, our senior writer, Uh, Coming to you uh, on a Thursday, uh, the Beavs are just two days away from Jonathan Smith's uh, home opener as a Beavs head coach. Uh, Brendan has been at practices this week. Uh, Practices are closed now during the season, so uh, during fall camp, media got basically full access on uh, probably about... 80 70 or 80 percent of the days and now since the season's kicked off uh media gets you know closed off uh just tuesday wednesday thursday interviews don't get to watch much practice time in my opinion i think that's totally fine um Brandon, what, what have you thought about uh you know covering the beefs um so far uh under jonathan smith you know uh from spring to fall camp to to um the season now you know how's that been
1: well, I mean, it's, it's been it's been a really nice change of pace. You know, um, when you do something, you know, the same way for, um, you know, three years as I did, uh, you know, doing the same thing uh, under the previous coaching staff regime, it's kind of nice to get a, a new face in there, new coaches and, you know, new players and new stories. And, you know, it makes the, the reporter's job a lot more exciting and fun. And Jonathan Smith has really brought a level of... Um, just authenticity as he said it's it's true you know from the moment he said it uh and it's been nice just to see you know how he's carried himself he's very you know kind of firm with how he handles things as we've seen of you know we go from media goes from watching all of practice to now none of it but he still you know makes the effort to give us what we need you know a coach that a coach that opens a press conference with given injury updates i like that i'm i'm all about it so i mean He's just he's truthful and I've said it a million times. He's a lot like Chris Peterson and the way he's running this program and building it from, you know, player availability and um, you know intricacies of accommodations and you know uh, schedules and whatnot. This program is being built and modeled after kind of a a little bit of a Chris Peterson esque model and if I was Oregon State fans, I'd be uh, jumping on the train because that's a good that's a good model you want to try to build. Um, just with the kind of young man that you can build in your program with someone like Jonathan Smith, like Chris Peterson with high character.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and Smith and Peterson have had some pretty good quarterbacks uh, over the years. They sure have. Uh, and I'll segue into talking a little Oregon State quarterback. So as we record this, uh, Oregon State does not have a starting quarterback named for this uh, Saturday as uh, uh, Jake Luton uh had a concussion on on Saturday and is going through that protocol this week. Uh, I confirmed that Sunday and Tuesday he did not practice, um, wasn't seen in helmet or anything. Uh, I mean, take it for what it's worth, but uh, that's what I was told. He did not practice, and then Monday is the, an off day for for the Oregon State football team as far as practice goes. Don't know if Luton practiced on Wednesday, um, and I believe what Lingren said on Tuesday was that uh, Wednesday would be kind of when they make that decision. So I expect when uh, Smith is asked this on uh, Thursday after practice uh, wraps up around 1230, he'll get asked about that. So we will be interesting to see. Uh depends on when you're listening to this podcast, if that's already been figured out or not. Um, so... Um, you know, we'll see about who's starting this weekend. If it's Luton, um, or if he's healthy, he's going to start. If not, it's going to be Blount. Uh, Smith confirmed that on Monday, and then uh, Jack Coletto uh, will, I think, could play. When Smith was asked this, uh, if on Monday during his press conference, Smith was asked, "Would Blount be your starter?" and he said Blount would be the first guy to go out. Uh, paraphrasing, which makes me believe Coletto. Might play too. Uh, but that we'll see. Uh, I don't know um, w- where that stands right now. We'll definitely find out on Thursday. Uh, Brenda, you have any other additional thoughts to add on the quarterback situation?
1: Well, just given just given my experience, you know covering you know football and you know being a a student of the game and just the sense of watching a lot of football, you know we've we've kind of seen how concussion protocol is now in really the last two to three years. and if it's close, player is not going to play and that's just the way it is and given the lack of a timetable I'd lean more on to what my original prediction was earlier this week and that's I'd say it's probably you know a little less than doubtful in my mind that Luton plays just given that usually that concussion protocol is about a full you know week span give or take and I don't think if there's a, a chance with Jake Luton's health in any regard I just don't think the p- team is in any position to take a chance on that given his history
0: yeah I was gonna say last year with the spine injury. I kind of can look at this both ways. Um, Oregon state might not need Luton to win uh, against Southern Utah, but if the staff really does think that Luton is the best quarterback, then you really want him against the game that the one game on the schedule where you circle, this is our most winnable game. You want your best players there, but we'll, we'll see. And again, it goes back to how healthy is Luton during the week. If he's not going to practice once during the week, that's probably not the quarterback he went out there. We'll see. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, sticking with the offense, though, Brendan, uh, we've both been pretty high on uh, Brian Lindgren and, and uh, his play calling and uh, schematically what he showed in that Ohio State game. I, I think there's two, so- two sides to this coin as well. Um, like you look at AP's rushing stats, if you take out those two touchdowns, it was nine rushes for 10 yards, but also it's nice to have this offense where uh, there is this big play potential all over the place. Um, So that's kind of where I stand. I think there's some good, there's some bad obviously, but scoring 31 points on Ohio state is pretty freaking fantastic. No matter how you look at it, Brendan, you don't think Oregon state's had this good of a a play caller in a while. Um, Kind of expand on that.
1: You know, given just the the Gary Anderson tenure first, you know, you have to look and honestly, you don't, you know, you look and Gary Anderson won seven games during his tenure as Oregon State head coach, right? None of them were on the road. Only a few were, you know, Pac-12 wins. I just, you know, despite, you know, having some high spots, you know, Oregon State, you know, winning 2016 against Oregon, Arizona to wrap up the year, great play calling to end that year and the system flowed and they had a really good identity. I think the play calling, at least during that tenure, was um, really just um, hampered by the inability to pick an offensive style, not having the right personnel, or in certain cases, perhaps pushing the best personnel out and choosing, you know, personnel that did not fit as well. So maybe not great evaluation of talent there, but Oregon State's offense last year, unimaginative. I mean, at times it was predictable. Um, you go back before Gary Anderson and even the last couple years of the Mike Riley era, there were, you know, John Garrett, Danny Langsdorf. There was kind of a revolving door towards the end of guys that, you know, didn't really hit that play calling stride. And in the Riley years, the height of the best play calling was in, you know, the 2008-9 season. So when you see a team go on the road in their first game, I don't care if, you know, if whoever it is, but for an Oregon State team that went one and 11 last year and barely beat Portland State to go on the road at the number 5 team in the country and score 31 points in any fashion whether it was five long one-play drives, you know, two long touchdowns and some extra or whatever, that's still a step in the right direction and you know we talked about it with our podcast last week was, you know, there were times with motion, Oregon State had guys moving, they were deceptive and you didn't really know what they were going to do next on offense. That's a, that's a big step in the right direction in my mind. On the other side of the ball, not as good, uh,
0: and that's been well documented. You're,
1: you're putting it kindly, I think.
0: Yeah, so Brendan, on Wednesday, you guys got to hear from uh, some guys on the defensive side of the ball, in, in, including Coach Tibisar, the defensive coordinator. Kind of tell me the vibe and, and hearing from those guys, and I mean, they know how bad that performance was against them. The one touchdown was the uh, the Bosa fumble recovery. You can't fault the defense for that, but right. Uh, so basically, seventy points was allowed on them. So, kind of give me the vibe. Um, it's got to be tough, uh, ha- as I was saying, to for them to face the media. I guess after, like, what do you say after that performance? So, kind of, what was their vibe uh, that you got from them? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I think, uh, like I said, if you, you know, a really good, you know, testament to that vibe was, you know, when we went on Wednesday and I, I wrote the story just kind of about the team and it was just a very, a very focused, almost kind of like blue collar kind of mentality, which was interesting. And, you know, if you haven't read that story from Wednesday's practice, make sure to check that out. But it was just a blue collar vibe. It was like Jonathan Willis, you know, was the first guy that came up to an, uh, came up to us in interviews before coach Tibbisar or anyone else. And, you know, he just kind of said that this team needs to kind of pick themselves up by their bootstraps a little bit and play better because they know that they're better. And I think this is a departure from what we saw last year just in the sense that there's there's a there's a accountability and I think that you know Coach Tibbisar is a very good defensive coordinator and you know, like you know, many Oregon State fans have understood, is that Coach Tibisar said it best there's no magic bullet that's just going to make this thing, you know, better. He said it today, and he said, you know, we got to just continue to improve. And for Oregon State fans, well, yeah, 77 points is kind of disappointing. you got to realize it was really basically the same team minus a good amount of depth that finished last year. So, you, you know, you think in an offseason you can break a bunch of bad habits, but it's not quite that simple. You know, Oregon State was maybe taught a very poor defensive technique, in my opinion, for the last— two, possibly three years, and it takes time to build a right technique and play football the right way. And that's why, you know, Tibisar and his staff just have to keep, keep pushing, keep pushing because there's some players, Mike, that are, you know – been in the system for a couple years and they don't know any different and you got to retrain muscle memory and that's not something you can necessarily do in one off season if that makes sense
0: yeah sticking with the defense brendan uh i want to talk about uh some analytics so rivals recently partnered with pro football focus uh and this is absolutely the time to get on beaversedge.com uh we have a annual promotion going right now where uh you sign up for an annual sub, you get it for fifty percent off for your first year, and with uh, the Rivals and the Beaver's Edge uh, website getting this pro football focus analytics, it is absolutely incredible. Some of the stuff that we have access to now is next level.
1: It is no, <laughs> no doubt, no Brendan,
0: doubt. Take a guess who saw the most snaps for the uh, on Oregon State's defense. This is kind of this is a basic thing that I have access to now. Th- this stuff is insane, and I'm gonna be writing multiple articles with this analytics. But just guess who who played the okay. most snaps?
1: Okay. Okay. You gotta throw me a bone though. Is it the secondary yes. or is it the linebacker?
0: Yes. There's 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 a guy that's there's two guys that are tied for first.
1: Okay, I'll go with either Dwayne Williams or Sean Wilson. Sean Wilson is one. Okay. Caleb, I got one.
0: Caleb Hayes played seventy three wow. snaps. Wow.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. Yes. He looked a little. He looked a little. I, I kind of forgot about him on some of those plays, as he wasn't really in on it. But good for him getting that kind of experience. That's, so there's all these build.
0: analytics, uh, and there's the Pro Football Focus grades. So of players who played more than 30 snaps, here are the players that graded out best for Oregon State defense. Um, number one's Lamone Williams. Uh, and the grades aren't very good, so I think anything above a 70 is considered pretty good, so it's a scale from uh, 0 to 100. But I think above 70 is pretty good because it's in the green, uh, and then like um, uh, the 60s are in like, a, a light green, and uh, and then like a red is in the 50s. So I'm just kind of going by the colors to figure out. What is quote-unquote good? So, Lamon Williams had a 64.7, and of players who saw more than 30 snaps, that's the best, so it's not very good. Uh, Key Wetzel was number two, Caleb Hayes was actually number three, Uh, Jeffrey Manning, number four, and Jalen Moore was number five, Uh, and just looking at more of these uh, analytics, which again, this is just crazy... He, <laughs> Jalen Moore had a graded at a 29 for tackling, so he struggled <laughs> according he, to these yeah. analytics. And I really want to learn more about how they get these grades, and that's something I'll definitely look into. But uh, he 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 struggled. Dwayne Williams uh, had, had a good tackling day. He was graded at 83. Sean Wilson at an 82. Isaiah Tufango is an 80. Um, 80 flat. Uh, Andres Hughes Murray was at a 77. So this is just interesting stuff um, that we have access to. One more analytic I want to throw at you, and looking at how the team performed as a whole, uh, there's grades on um, offense, uh, passing offense, run blocking, receiving, defense, tackling, everything. Pass blocking. Just guess what the the grade was from zero to one hundred on Oregon State's pass blocking Ooh. against Ohio State. 33? (laughs) 22.4. By far, yeah. All of their other um, offensive stats look pretty good um, considering, but uh, yeah. The best one for the team was tackling 68.7. That was their best grade overall. All this stuff. I'm just really pumped up about this again. This is the time to subscribe to BeaversEdge.com. The analytics are coming um brendan's practice reports are fantastic uh post-game coverage i feel like we have on lock and recruiting coverage is going to really ramp up here uh with uh, official visitors uh and all that good stuff coming in the fall but let's keep moving along um uh, brendan let's talk um let's talk about this upcoming southern utah game and kind of give uh let's, let's pull out the crystal ball and kind of uh, give some predictions. Who do you think will get the game balls? Or let me phrase it like this. Who will be your guys that you'll give out the game balls to on offense and defense?
1: You know, call me crazy, but I think it's going to be uh, – I think my offensive ball is going to go to Isaiah Hodgins. I think he's going to have a, a big day, and I think uh, given his size, I think that's going to make an interesting matchup uh, for some of these southern Utah corners that don't have a, that don't necessarily have a ton of size or experience on that side of the ball uh, I talked to coach Kevinfncy Henson yeah uh, back on Tuesday excuse me and you know I kind of asked him about why Hodgins only had the two um, two catches for 40 yards and for a guy that's kind of supposed to be you know that stud receiver you want to get him going a little bit more and you know he kind of said that when they went back on tape and looked that you know he did he ran all of his routes and was in great position you know the quarterback just didn't necessarily progress to his route or, or whatever have time <laughs> Yeah, or have time. So I think I think uh, you're not, you know, no disrespect to Southern Utah. They don't have Dramont Jones and uh, Nick Bosa. So wh- whoever it is that quarterback should have a little bit more breathing room. And I think uh, Isaiah Hodgins could be a guy for a big bounce back.
0: For me, offensive game ball, I'm going to go whichever quarterback plays. I, I think that uh, Oregon State's going to put up a lot of points. I think either is going to really shine. Um yeah, if Luton's healthy, I think he's gonna uh, throw for 300 plus yards, and if it's Blount, I could see him running for 70 yards and a touchdown and eclipsing 200 yards passing. I think it's gonna be a, a rather high scoring affair, maybe you know 45-21 ish, something in there. Um, I, not quite as high scoring as last well, last week's game, but I think some points will get on the board. Defensively, Brendan, uh, you know who do you think's gonna have a standout performance against the Thunderbirds?
1: You know, I, I, it's hard to pick one, but I think, uh, I think Hamaka cover or key Wetzel could be a great candidate. Um, you know, coach Tibisar talked about it today when I said, you know, Oregon state or excuse me, yesterday talked about it when he said that, um, Oregon state didn't necessarily have the ability to, you know, send those outside linebackers on blitzes and get after the quarterback because Ohio state was ahead of the chains all game. And because they didn't have, you know, uh, third and long, they had third and three, third and two. And he said, it's hard to send guys and pin your ears back so southern utah knowing that while they're still very good on offense they're not at the level of ohio state i look for oregon state to really get after the quarterback try to force some turnovers and hopefully we'll see kind of the the key wetzel and hammock over that were you know raving that we were raving about in fall camp when they were making plays all over the field
0: i'm gonna have to go with sean wilson i think uh kind of his versatility and and I think he started at nickel. I want to say, I'll have to go back and look, but I I think Oregon state started with three cornerbacks and I think he was one of them. Not sure on that, but I know he played some corner. He'll play some safety. Um, I think he's one of the, he's probably the best tackling defensive back and he's got a lot of swagger. I think Sean Wilson uh, right now is the best defensive back on this team without Dave with David Morris being hurt and uh, you know, hopefully Jalen Moore can tackle better this week.
1: Well uh, and then, I'm pretty it, high on him too. Well and the other thing to consider is we're still waiting, you know, obviously it'll probably be a game day decision, but one thing I want to check in with Jonathan Smith about yeah. again is mm-hmm. that Isaiah Dunn. And you know, Isaiah Dunn's a guy that if I think if you could bring him back to that secondary, you know, he's the most um likely guy to come back, you know, very soon. I think he would make a world of difference in that defensive secondary because I think he's a very good player, and I think you know the difference between maybe he and you know uh, a guy playing his first snaps collegiately in Caleb Hayes. I think there's a lot of difference there, knowing that Isaiah Dunn played a full season last year under his belt.
0: Yeah, he had a lot of struggles last year, but he did uh, sure learn from those, and it was tough sledding for everybody last year. Yeah, uh, so don't want to point on him, but yeah, he had a it was a tough season for him throwing in starting as a red, as a true freshman. Um as we kind of wrap up the podcast, Brandon, let's go through some questions um, from our message board each week. When we record our podcast, I ask uh, from, for questions from the board, kind of some things they want us to discuss. One from Jump drive, aka the CR master, um, asks if Con- if uh, if Connor has a good game, assuming that he starts against Southern Utah, do you think um that he would start against Nevada too or do you think they would go back to Luton? So basically if Connor's healthy Saturday has a good game, do you think that they would bring Luton back for Nevada or do you think they would stick with
1: Connor? What what defines a good game? Just for, uh, just humor me, Mike. What defines a good game in your mind from Connor Blount?
0: I would say a win. Okay? Two touchdowns. No turnovers and over 200 total yards.
1: Okay, yeah. My my thing is that I think for for what I would like to see from Connor Blount, a performance that I think would lock him up the job, or at least you know maybe it put it would be a very tough situation. But it's hard to go against a guy who's winning. So the way that I see, um, or the path that I see for Connor Blount, where he you know would secure the job, would be oregon state rolls past southern utah something like a 45 21 win 45 17 you know putting up 30 you know building off of last week and i think given that they scored 30 in ohio state you got to be looking for 30 more this week at least and i think if he does if he does that and i think if he goes if he cracks that 250 300 yard total mark and given that um southern utah was very poor against the running quarterbacks last week blount said he's ready to run comfortable to run if he eclipses you know 250 passing yards maybe 50 yards on the ground i think that would be enough that they need for him to be the guy at nevada and then up until he gave you a reason not to be the starter you kind of got to go with him because i mean oregon state only got one win last year if you have a quarterback who's winning games it's hard to go against that
0: sure a question from freaky Foreman. Uh, asking about Isaiah Hodgins, somebody, Brendan, that you spoke highly of earlier in the podcast. He asked, uh, how does Isaiah Hodgins take the next step? He seems to be a good practice player, and in games he makes tough catches, but do you guys ever notice he has always covered how can he get more separation, or with him, do you just throw up the 50-50 balls and rely on his talent to come down with it?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we saw, you know, some of, we saw that one great catch that he had, you know, against Ohio State where he was really able to pull it away from the uh, Ohio State defender. And he's got the skills. Forgot
0: about that. That was a total duck, but that worked out. Yeah,
1: Yeah, he's got the skills. I mean, he's a a very big, physical, um, fast receiver. And I think, you know, we kind of saw him get locked down a little bit by a couple, you know, really good defensive backs. And we've seen that. And I think that, you know, this week we'll see what he does. But um, he had great chemistry with the quarterbacks all the way through fall camp. He's by far and away, I think, maybe not far and away, but I think he's Oregon State's most complete and packaged receiver when you include all the, you know, all the intangibles and all the talent and size and playmaking and strength. I think he's Oregon State's best receiver. And I think he needs to show it this Saturday for, uh, you know, otherwise he's got some other guys like Trayvon Bradford that are making their case for Oregon State's go-to guy so I think he'll establish himself this next weekend I really do
0: yeah I, I like Hodgins I love them as a recruit the one knock on him and again I love I love Isaiah Hodgins as as Freaky Foreman said he doesn't like how can he get more separation I don't think he's that fast I think him and Timmy Hernandez are both really possession receivers they have solid hands great route runners um good size on both of them but I just don't think Isaiah Hodgins is a burner I don't think that's his game Um, I think he's a intermediate pass you know that 10 to 15 yards is kind of his niche I don't think he's a guy you can you're gonna throw a screen to and and let him you know break loose and I don't think he's a guy that uh, you're gonna find uh, you know burning cornerbacks that's just my two cents yeah yeah Uh, I think he's a really solid possession receiver, but I can kind of see why Trayvon Bradford is uh, the guy that Oregon State wants to get the ball in his hands because how quick he is. Um, And I've underestimated Trayvon Bradford. He definitely... uh, prove me wrong he was fantastic and i expect uh colby taylor to step in and and have some great games this season from the slot as well Maybe aaron not short so, as well yeah aaron short as yeah well, so aaron please. shorts i believe mostly lined up in the slot is that where you saw short or is he an outside guy during uh, yeah you know camp?
1: you know that was the that was the really interesting thing about fall camp that that was kind of you know up in question then trayvon bradford kind of silenced it with his performance Trayvon Bradford was splitting reps three ways with Colby Taylor and um, Aaron Short through a good chunk of fall camp at the slot. And while those guys rotated a little bit, you know, it was kind of like, oh, maybe Aaron Short will start over Trayvon. Maybe Colby Taylor will get in there. You know, Trayvon Bradford kind of put that to bed. But uh, look look for Aaron Short and Colby Taylor to get in. You know, maybe they have to move him. Around a little bit to get them in the game or whatever, but those guys are talented and they have some talent. I think they could definitely, you know, make an impact as the season goes along.
0: Absolutely. And just last thing, Brendan, we got a J post 12 uh, has some over unders for us. Start with uh, Artavis Pierce over under 150 rushing yards.
1: Under. I think he'll get, I think he'll break the 100 yard mark, but I think Jamar Jefferson, Case Rod, I think there'll be a lot of guys getting carries. Agreed. Um
0: Case Rogers played a little bit, too, in that game. There's a lot of guys who saw the field for, for Oregon State in that Ohio State game. Uh, some guys I didn't really expect to get in there. But, again, so it was a blowout situation. So uh, guys got to see the field. But um, there's just some guys I, I thought, like Jalen Bush on the defensive line, played a lot of snaps. Um, there's Case Rogers played a good bit in the fourth quarter. A lot of guys got playing time. Uh, which was good to see guys to get experience in that kind of environment i thought was a, a good positive passing yards uh is the next over under at 225
1: over yep i like that I t- i'll take that over yeah. for sure
0: how many times in the past couple of years has
1: Oregon say it had a quarterback go for 225 yards though? <laughs> I think it's been a while, but I think Mark, I think Marcus McMarion got there in one of his games, the Arizona he,
0: game. Surprise! Yeah, one. I
1: think, yeah, I think it was been since 2016. So there you go.
0: He was fantastic <laughs> in that. That was the five touchdown game, no picks. Yeah, it was.
1: That was a That was a thing of beauty, no doubt.
0: Yeah, that was a great one. Uh, offensive plays over 25 yards. Uh, the over under set at 4.5. I'm gonna
1: take the under on that because I think. I think Southern Utah's defense kind of got embarrassed a little bit by a, you know, division two team and not to say that North Alabama is not a good team, but when you get beat by a team in a lower division, it, it, it can motivate a team. And I think Southern Utah is going to come out really, really hungry. I don't think Oregon state's going to have a whole ton of chunk plays.
0: Yeah. I'll definitely take you over on that. Um, especially if they're going to be putting up 40 points like I'm talking. I think Oregon State can get five plays over 25 yards. That's definitely something we'll we'll keep an eye on. Chunk plays were obviously very good for Oregon State against Ohio State. Turnovers forced is set at 2.5.
1: I'll take the over on that. I think that, like I said, I think Tibisar is going to unleash his defense. I think it was a little vanilla, and I think it kind of had to be against Ohio State. I think you have more creativity With personnel, packages, you have the home crowd on your side as well. I think Oregon State will get after him on defense. I think I'll take that.
0: You mentioned the vanilla against Ohio State. There's people during the game thread, Brendan, I'm sure you saw this, really uh, questioning Tivisar. why aren't you pressuring more? What do you have to lose? My whole thing was, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, you don't want to send seven guys after the quarterback and just – you know, leave one on one coverage. I, I well,
1: so. and I mean, the th- I mean, the thing with that too is, you know, Tivisar said it on Wednesday. He was, you know, he was like, I've I've coached against Ohio State for, you know, the last three seasons. He said even when I was at Wisconsin, he goes, we didn't have a necessarily game plan to blitz because their offensive line's so incredible. He said yeah. that's just, he said that's just the toughest ta- task you could give yourself. So I think Oregon State will unleash a little bit this Saturday and be surprised with where their defense is. The next over-under is Sacks,
0: set at 1.5. I feel like that number's pretty low.
1: Yeah, I'll take the over on that one for sure. Yeah, I'll take the
0: over. I would probably set it at, like, three. Maybe call that one even. I don't know, but I think they'll they'll get three or four or five sacks. And then points allowed, he's got it set at 28.5. That seems pretty high against Southern Utah.
1: Yeah, man, that's... mm. That's tough because I'm still I still haven't quite decided where what I think this game's gonna be if it's gonna be a a game where Oregon State. That's has to what slurs. we have our that's what we have our Friday prediction. Yes, article no, for. no, for sure, for sure. No, um, I'll take the under on that. Hopefully, thinking that that's wishful thinking, but that's a tough that's a really tough one because it could, you know, I mean, if Oregon State hasn't made those steps defensively on the field, it could look a little bit more lopsided. Maybe Oregon State puts up. 50 and they allow 30, so it's it's hard to say how that's going to shake. Right now, I'd say I'd take the under, but that's a real tough one. Great great over-under.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Thank you, J-Post uh, for, for the over-unders there. He did that last week as well um, and uh, we, we tackled those and I'm sure we'll, we'll do that for the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good stuff. Brendan, we'll uh, wrap up the Edge podcast for this week. Again, um, make sure to check out beaversedge.com and uh, learn more about our New promotion, 50% off first year of your annual subscription. That'll get you uh, access to the damn board, which is a really awesome place for Beaver Nation to discuss. I love uh, our members. Definitely a a passionate and and funny crowd. Gets you uh, practice reports, uh, video interviews, recruiting coverage, and uh, some new fresh analytics stuff that I'm really excited about uh, showing off to everybody. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so that'll wrap up the edge podcast. Thank you so much for giving us a listen and, uh, being a part of your day.